With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are you on Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into the 13th edition of Trivia Time. Lucky number 13 coming right off of Halloween. So we are sticking with the theme there, of course, by complete coincidence. And if you aren't familiar with the format, then I will just brief you on it right now. I ask Logan 15 questions about NFL history, NFL trivia. He does the same for me with the NBA. We'll see who comes out on top, although we don't actually keep track of scores, so we won't know. But it's a lot of fun and we're excited to get into it. So Logan... I will ask you the first question. Who is the all-time left-handed leader in passing yards? Steve Young. Nope. Ken Stabler. Nope. Mike Vick. <laughs> nope. You have named Young as second, Stabler as fourth, Vick as fifth. Man, those are about all the left-handed quarterbacks I know. <laughs> this is a surprising one. How old? Are we talking like ancient era or are we talking kind of recent? Not ancient, definitely a couple decades backwards, but not ancient. Dude, I don't know. Who is it? The answer is Boomer Esiason with 37,920 yards, 4,700 more than Steve Young. Then third, the only guy who you didn't name in the top five, Mark Brunel. And then you got the rest. So definitely not the greatest lefty quarterback you would ever think of. I assumed you were going to go Steve Young first, obviously, as any sane person would. And then... It was just a matter of seeing if you could dig out Boomer, but that's a tough one to start. Yeah, I'm kicking myself for missing Brunel, but uh, yeah, I like I like that question. I, I didn't even know Boomer was a lefty. I, I can't uh, I just thought of guys I could picture in my head throwing left-handed. I like that though. All right, I have that a lot. Where sometimes there are current guys who I have to like really think, even if I watch them a lot, I'm like, are they a lefty? It doesn't stand out in my mind like that. All right, Carson, a lot of my questions here are bucket getters and bucket getting questions, so I'm going to start off with one. Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, Dirk Nowitzki, Paul Pierce, and Vince Carter were the top five scorers of the 2000s. Carson, can you round out the top 10 and name six through 10 of the top 2000 scorers? Yes. Could you restate one through five real quick? Kobe, AI, Dirk, Paul Pierce, Vince Carter. Okay. Tracy McGrady must be there. He is eighth. 
I'm going to take a stab at Anton Jameson. He is 10th. That was a very good guess. So now let's think. If we're going by peak, you'd have to throw someone like Amari Stoudemire out there. Peak, you would go Gilbert Arenas, but there's no way Arenas is here. The question is, did Stoudemire have enough quality seasons to hang in there to be above Jameson? I'm not so sure. I'm thinking now Tim Duncan is probably here because that's a decade full of 20-plus point-per-game seasons. So I'm going to say Tim Duncan. He is 7th. Okay. So we're missing 6th and we're missing ninth. I want to go perfect. I want to get this right without taking any swings and misses. Paul Pierce was in the top five, right? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Ah, I'm starting to think Kevin Garnett must be here. Ray Allen makes an interesting case as well, because those are guys who were really good for the entire decade. I think Allen probably has the edge as a scorer. I'm going to go with Ray Allen. Ray Allen is ninth. Oh, man. All right. I want to get this perfect. So I'm thinking it's probably KG. Number six. Wow. A clean sweep, Carson. Very impressive. That feels good. I'm glad to start out that way. You put a lot of pressure on me before this episode. You texted <laughs> me that you think I might be able to go 15 for 15, which neither of us have ever come close to. Even your seven for seven start. Last episode, you still probably missed four by the end, three or four. It's tough to get up in that range. So I'm glad that I did well on that one, though. Okay, Logan, another sort of niche all-time leader question. Who has the most career rushing yards after their 30th birthday? It's guys who got a late start or just managed to play a lot of years. I think it's got to be somebody recent or maybe an undrafted guy. Um, I'm going to throw a weird one out here. I'm going to go Darren Sproles. It's not Darren Sproles. What about Frank Gore? It is Frank Gore. The poster boy for this kind of category, just the longevity. I thought maybe you would go Emmett Smith first, just because he's obviously far and away the all-time leader and did have some serious longevity, but it is Gore by far. He is 6,818. Nobody else is even at 6,000. Another guy who I thought you might consider, who had a really late peak, weirdly enough, John Riggins, who famously had one of the best seasons ever, and I think, 33 years old and then Walter Payton is fourth on this list but very well done yeah I can't even I can't even think of a guy who played at an older age at the running back position than Frank Gore I that's what stood out to me I can't think of another guy who played into his this late of the um, stage for a running back at all and he's still productive this year somehow somehow on the Jets yes <laughs> Carson a pretty simple straightforward one here who has hit more threes in a single season, Duncan Robinson or Ray Allen? That is a good question, and I believe that I know the answer. I was looking at this very list a few weeks ago because it was so interesting that I think Duncan Robinson was like 11th all-time, if not higher, in a 70-game season. And Dame was right up there as well. If he had been on pace for a full year, I think he would have ended top five all-time, but we do have to consider the fact that he only had that one full season and it wasn't even an 82-game year. So, I think he made 260-something. Now, the question obviously becomes, did Ray Allen hold the record before Steph Curry obviously shattered it many times over? And what was that record? I want to say it was like 268 or something. 
this is a really tough one. And uh, I think I'm going to say I think it's barely Ray Allen. Oh, it's Duncan Robinson. Oh, that hurts. What's the difference? One three-pointer. Duncan made 270 in 73 games this season. Ray Allen made 269 in 70 games in 2006. Wow, so both of them did it in abbreviated seasons. Yep, and you were right even with the with the numbers for uh, for Robinson as well. He was 12th exactly right there with Damian Lillard. That was my thinking. I just thought Allen must be higher than that. Obviously, Harden, Steph, Clay dominate the top six spots or whatever, but I thought Allen must barely be in there. Oh, that was a great question. Shout out Duncan Robinson, man. He is really one of the most incredible shooters of the basketball we've ever seen. Okay, my 15 for 15 dreams have been squashed. Fare thee well. Logan, in the 16-game era, seven teams have gone 15-1 and one or better. Have more or less than half of them made the Super Bowl? Oh, I really like this. This is an awesome question. Ooh. Um... Okay, so the night uh, the 1998 Vikings lost to the Falcons in the NFC Championship game. So I know that's one team that missed it. The 05 Steelers that went 15 and one missed the Super Bowl because we lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Just off of those two teams, I'm going to say that less than half have made the Super Bowl. You're correct. So we can go down the list. We have the 2015 Panthers, 15 and one, made it. The 2011 Packers, 15-1, didn't make it. 2007 Pats, 16-0, didn't make it. The two teams you just mentioned, the Steelers and Vikings, both did not make it. And then back in the 80s, the 85 Bears made it and obviously won it. The 84 Niners made it and obviously won it. But an interesting precedent, not just that two of the seven greatest regular season teams of all time have won the Super Bowl, only three of them have even made it. So... I just thought that that was an interesting tidbit. You would certainly think that if you're only losing one of your 16 regular season games, you would convert more often than that. And that 15-1 and Packers team is one of the greatest single-season, regular-season runs I've ever seen. They easily could have been 16-0 and if they wanted to go for it. They just sat out Rodgers in whatever week that was. And then coming off that bye, the Giants just caught him off guard. Carson, that's an awesome question, man. I dig that. Well, you got it right, so I hope you like it. Another straightforward for you here, Steve Nash is the only current head coach to win an MVP and could become only the second ever former MVP to win Coach of the Year if he can capture the award. Who is the first? Larry Bird. Wow. Uh, you know, I really thank I really thank you for taking your time and, uh, you know, coming up with a, <laughs> a bunch of different answers to <laughs> who could potentially be answers. No, yeah, you got that right off the bat. Uh, Bird, a three-time MVP, 84 to 86, and a 1998 Coach of the Year with a 58-24 Indiana squad. But you just mopped that. I really wish that Larry Bird had been a coach for longer because he could still be coaching today if he wanted to be. Now, obviously, he went into the front office, but he's just not as visible there. It's not as exciting. Good question. I'm feeling good that I got that one off the bat. I needed a bounce back after a classic trivia time heartbreak one three-pointer making the difference kind of question. Okay, this one's a little bit random, but I'm just interested in seeing how memorable this guy is to you. Which New York Jet won Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2013? Sheldon Richardson? Sheldon Richardson, right off the bat. Isn't that weird that he won Defensive Rookie of the Year? That just feels strange to me because... 
I mean, he had a good season, three and a half sacks, 78 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, but you know who he wanted over? And this is by the AP, because that's sort of the official, obviously, there are different writers associations that have their own voting. According to the AP, they chose him over Kiko Alonso, Buffalo Bill, who had 159 tackles and four picks and was traded straight up for LaShawn McCoy, who was a top three running back in football at that time. And Sheldon Richardson has had a solid career, but at least at that point was not better than Kiko, although his career has probably been better than Kiko's. I don't. I, the only reason I knew that was because I had specifically gone to the 2013 season a few days ago and just remember seeing Richardson's name as just such a random uh, player to win the award. Man, dude, that Jets defense fell off quick. They had Muhammad Wilkerson, Richardson. I thought they were going to terrorize teams. Awesome question, though. I dig that. All right, Carson, can you name every Chicago Bull who scored 25 or more points per game in a single season for them? This is an awesome question. Okay, obviously, Michael Jordan, Derrick Rose. How many are there? Is there a number I'm trying to get to? There's four. There's four, okay. Who did Artis Gilmore do it? I think he must have. I'm going to say Artis Gilmore. It is not Artis Gilmore. Okay. Gervin was too late in his career. He didn't do it there. I'm thinking about some random bowls. Bob Love, I don't think ever did it. I'm not going to guess that officially. So let's think about some of the down years for the Bulls, maybe, when someone put up some big numbers. You're making a face at me about Bob Love? Does that mean something? Did Bob Love do it? He did it twice. Wow. What a bucket. <laughs> okay. So Scotty didn't do it. I am confident about that. And now I'm thinking, I know Orlando Woolridge didn't do it, but he probably got closer than we would like to think because he did do it in Denver. I know that, but I don't think he did it in his time in Chicago. So now we're going back to some ugly times. The 70s? Bulls? Yuck. I mean, I don't really think that we're getting anyone there besides Gilmore. So maybe I need to go back to the 2000s. Who could it have been? Who put up numbers that big? Oh, my God. Oh, no. I almost thought for a second it's Zach Levine, but I don't think he's quite at 25. But I'm going to guess Zach Levine, just because I feel like that would be a good reason to ask the question. Yes, it is Zach Levine. I thought for a second you may just search through the 70s, 80s, just the entire, <laughs> every Chicago Bulls season ever. But no, Zach Levine, <laughs> this season, is the fourth guy. Wow. I kind of want to see what Artis Gilmore's best scoring season was, because that dude was putting up ridiculous numbers. Okay, Logan, here's an interesting one for you. Name the top two quarterbacks in Broncos history by career winning percentage as a starter with at least a season of starting. We're not given. I think Bubby Brister was 4-0. That doesn't count. <laughs> Former Steeler Bubby Brister. Um, That's correct. All right. I feel like you're asking this question because one of the answers is Tim Tebow. <laughs> not quite, although he is 8-6, so he's above 500. Um, Let's see. Uh. Elway's got to be one of the correct answers, right? You would be incorrect to think that, which is really why I asked the question. Um, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is number one. He was 45 and 12, 78.9% winning. 
Okay, and I'm sorry. I'm um I'm naming how many? Just two? Just one more guy. Who crashed the Elway Payton party in this conversation somehow? Kyle Orton. Nope. <laughs> uh oh! Is it Jake Plummer? That's incredible, Logan. It is Jake Plummer. 39 and 15 career record, 72.2% winning, 8% better than John Elway. Obviously, Elway's career far more impressive at 148, 82, and 1. But in his four seasons there, Plummer and the Broncos went 9 and 2 when he started in 03, 10 and 6 in 04, 13 and 3 in 05. 7-4-0-6. and, four and oh six. I know this is sort of in your sweet spot historically. I did not realize there was a stretch where the Broncos are were that good of a team, frankly. And I almost thought about asking Jake Plummer for the quarterback question, but I was like, no, these teams were too good. Logan would know. But I did not realize that they were that relevant with him at the helm. As a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, um, when we won our first Super Bowl uh, of my lifetime with the Seahawks, I am forever indebted to Jake Plummer because he took out Tom Brady in the 05 playoffs, so we didn't have to do it because Brady is our kryptonite, but we were able to take out Plummer in the AFC Championship game. Man, I love a a Jake the Snake question on Trivia Time. Former ASU Sun Devil. Carson, can you name the top five most prolific rookie scorers since 2000 by total points scored? Okay. So let's think. Who had that monster rookie season? This is an interesting one. I know that I've done a lot of thinking about some of the best rookies of all time, but for a lot of that, you go back pre-2000. You have the more developed guys coming out, like Kareem, who's basically the best player in the league day one, or Wilt averaging 37 a game or young Michael Jordan, or Duncan, or Shaq. I'm just trying to buy myself time here, but it actually distracted me from thinking (laughs) about possible people. So, who came in and was immediately getting buckets after 2000? Hmm. Okay. I'm thinking... I'm just going to throw out a bunch of names of guys who are putting up buckets. First off, I have to throw Carmelo Anthony out there. Okay, so here's a bunch of guys I'm thinking about from the early 2000s, but I don't want to get caught up in thinking this is some sort of past stat, but I'm just going to throw out dudes who produced immediately. Steve Francis, Yao Ming, obviously LeBron, D-Wade, Bosh, all are in that conversation. Dwight, although Dwight's not going to be up there actually because Ameka was better than him as a rookie. Ooh, there's so many candidates. CP3, Darren Williams, Aldridge. Okay, I'm definitely getting in my own head here. Let's just think about guys who I know for a fact average 20-plus as a rookie. LeBron, Damian Lillard. I'm going to guess both of those guys. So LeBron is number three. Damian is not in the top five. So now I'm thinking, Trey Young and Luka both put up their pretty rookie numbers. I don't think that Trey is going to be there. Is Luca there? Neither of them are in the top five. Okay. Blake put up big numbers as a rookie. Is Blake there? Blake is number one. Wow. Did he have his career high scoring season as a rookie or something crazy like that? I feel like he averaged like 24 a game. Maybe I'm off there. Maybe it was 22 or something. He might have because I didn't he sit out that first year due to injury and then he actually made his debut the following season? Correct. So I have three. 
who am I missing? Who are dudes who have just come in immediately? Well, I got to think Kevin Durant averaged 20. Is he on this list? Kevin Durant is number five. So you were missing number four. And uh, I implore you to search uh, a little farther back towards the 2000 side okay. of things. Well, I like that. I like going back there. Brandon Roy was a bucket immediately. I know that. I almost want to. I'm just going to throw his name out there. Brandon Roy. I wish Brandon Roy was on this list. <laughs> That's a shame because I know he averaged like 20. Okay. I don't think D Wade is quite there, although he was really good as a rookie. I let's think pre 2005. Is that the right range to be looking at? Yeah. Okay. All right. So there's only so many studs from that era. It wasn't a great draft era, except for, of course, 2003. I threw out Yao Ming's name. I don't think that he's going to have that kind of production as a rookie. Are there anybody who just came in and put up ridiculous numbers? I should be able to get this. It's not like Michael Red, although I do love thinking about Michael Red. He's not going to be here. He came in and put up a 20 points per game in his first two seasons. Uh, he also averaged a double-double his first two seasons. Oh, so we're talking about a big man here. Or we could be talking about an incredible point guard, but I don't think so. It's not Chris Bosh, right? It is not Chris Bosh. Didn't think so. And it's not a Mecca Okafor. That would be ridiculous. 2010 over his first two seasons. I mean, I'm thinking... Elton Brand doesn't count because he was drafted in 99. He's a guy who I've thought about. But you're giving me eyes that are saying that it is Elton Brand. It is Elton Brand. And the only reason I considered him as well in this list is because he played into the 2000 season, his rookie year. Um, well, yeah, with that okay. bad of Bulls team, he averaged 20 points per game. Carson, even more impressive right now. Could you tell me who the second leading scorer was on that team? Oh, man. No, I'm not even going to try. Who was it? 31-year-old Tony Kukoc putting up 18 a night. That's so weird that Kukoc <laughs> overlapped with that after the glorious era of basketball he was a part of. Yeah, you know, Elton Brand was a beast. And when you asked me the Chicago question, I thought about him. I think he averaged 25 one year with the Clippers, didn't quite get there with the Bulls, but that dude was incredible before obviously torn Achilles which is just the worst injury you can have I'm glad that I at least said his name thinking out loud because if I had misunderstood the criteria and then just hadn't got him because of that when I was thinking of him it would have been one of those real trivia time oof moments okay Logan we have a draft question for you don't have to turn the clock too far back for this one but who was the first wide receiver selected in the 2016 draft so 2015 was Jameis and Mariota's class. 2016 was who came the year after? That was with Zeke. Um, first wideout taken. Uh, okay, I don't think he was drafted in 2016, but I'm going to throw out Kelvin Benjamin. Not Kelvin Benjamin. He was part of that loaded 2014 class with. Odell, and everyone. 
Man, dude, who was the first pick in 2016? I can't even... It was Mariota and Winston. Who came the year after? Do you want me to give you that just to get you in the right frame of mind? It was it was the Goff and Wentz draft. Okay. I forget that draft sometimes because everybody expected one of those guys to be a bust, and they're both actually pretty freaking good quarterbacks. All right, first wideout taken in 2016. Ooh, I think... I think Ross is 20. No, John Ross wasn't in the league yet, although he was taken really early in that draft. Um, so I'm going to guess John Ross, but I think he was drafted in like 2018. Yeah, I believe he was 2018. He might have been 2017. He was the eighth pick, but not in this class. When was Mike Evans was in that loaded draft class too, wasn't he? In 2014. Correct. Correct. Oh, is it Amari Cooper? It is not Amari Cooper. I believe he was the fourth pick in 2015. Man, I'm just hitting it all over. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the year with, yeah, Zeke. Who else is in there? I think Joey Bosa was top five. Um, all right, I'm going to throw one more out there, and if I don't get it, I'm going uh, to take my loss and move on. I don't remember anybody from this class because I feel like they sucked. That's correct. Oh! Is it Laquan Treadwell? It is not Laquan Treadwell. He was the fourth of this group of first-round receivers, really only one of whom is decent. He was fourth? Yeah. Man, there must have been a huge run on wideouts in the first round. All right, I'm going to... I'm going to throw in the towel because I can't... This guy must have stunk. Oh, he very much did. And that's why I asked this question because I thought, obviously, very recent. But three of the four guys who were taken in the first round have not played in an NFL game in 2020. So, the answer at number 16 was... Or number 15, excuse me, was Corey Coleman. And then you had the slew of three straight guys, 21, Will Fuller, 22, Josh Doxson, 23, Laquan Treadwell. Honestly, a pretty highly respected receiver class in the moment. Obviously, there was insane hype around Treadwell, and he went fourth of the group, but none of them except for Fuller have panned out whatsoever. What an embarrassing first round for, I mean, and I I just looked it up too. Josh Doxson in the first round, that's embarrassing. Yeah, not good. Right, Carson, I like that. Um... Who is the only active big man that is top 10 in career playoff blocks? Okay. Well, my first thought has to be Dwight Howard, but I'm trying to think if there's anybody else who's a little sneakier, who's been in a bunch of playoff games and would somehow have that record. But no, there definitely isn't. It's got to be Dwight. Dwight is 14th with 242. My arrogance gets the best of me. Oh, well, I know who's active. Is it Tyson Chandler? It is not Tyson Chandler, although that is a good guess. Okay. Well, I'm thinking Mark Gasol, I don't think, is going to be there. Sergi Baca is my guess. 
And there we go. Right after it, Mark Gasol is 48th with 136. Abaka is number 9 with 289. And if he signs with a contender, can move even higher up that list. Uh, maybe top 5 if he sticks around just a little bit longer. That's incredible. He's had such an interesting career. Just because he was the definition of dynamic, raw, shot-blocking athlete. And now, the guy can't really protect the rim, but he's a floor spacer. He's this skilled big man. What a fascinating transition. I'm upset that I didn't get that first try. At the same time, I was pretty confident it was going to be Dwight, and I missed. So what? We can't all shoot 100%. Okay, Logan, we got a multiple choice option for you here. One of these quarterbacks who I'm about to name was a multiple-time first-team All-Pro selection. Which one? Was it your boy Ken Anderson? Was it Dan Fouts? Was it Joe Namath? Or was it Randall Cunningham? Okay, I feel like you're baiting me here with the Kenny Anderson take, so I don't think it's him. One real good season, an MVP. I feel like you're, it's it's a bear trap right there with the Ken Anderson. Um, Cunningham, I don't think was ever prolific enough to earn first team All Pro honors. He also played with some other really tough guys. Who are the other two quarterbacks? Namath and Fouts. I hope it's not Joe Namath, but ah. Uh. Dan Fouts, I would say, is probably the best quarterback out of the group, and I'd want to answer him based on QB ability. So I'm down to Fouts and Namath. Um, Namath played with Morale, Unitas. I feel like those guys would have earned nods, but only two seasons. I'm going to take Dan Fouts. Oh, you got it. I really thought you were about to go Namath there. You pulled it out. It always is devastating if you get it down to the two and then you go with the other one. It's happened to you more than me because I ask more of the multiple choice questions. But this time, you got it right. Fouts was two-time first-team All-Pro. Everybody else only once. I could have asked some this question with maybe some more wow answers for the other people. For example, I could have thrown a guy like Drew Brees in there who's only one-time first-team All-Pro. But I was pretty confident that you would know that. But I can see by the face you're making that you wouldn't have known that. So I should have thrown Drew Brees in there. Oh, I really should have done that because we're always talking about how he's not respected enough historically as far as accolades. So I thought that that one might be embedded in your mind, but now I'm wishing I had thrown that one in there. Would you have just gone for the breeze bait? The Yeah, I might have gone for the breeze one. The Cunningham one was a little obvious just because his accolades aren't up there with the other guys. But no, I might have bit on the breeze bait. No lie. Man. All right. What do you got for me? Carson, I got a somewhat of a draft question for you. So the 96 draft class produced four Hall of Famers, while the 84 class produced five. What draft class produced the most? And I'll give you some bonus points if you can rack off a couple of names in that draft class. This is a great question. So my first thought is 1985 because it follows 84, but it's a loaded class in its own right. And I know we did a top 10 draft classes episode, I'm just going to go out there with 85 off the bat. And for bonus points, that's Ewing. That's, oh, am I wrong? You're looking at me like I'm wrong. Man, you put the cart before the horse. It is not 1985. Okay. Well, my second thought is 1987, where you have Robinson, you have Scottie Pippen. Am I wrong again? It's not that year either. You got to go a little farther back. Oh, could it be the Oscar Robertson, Jerry West 1960 draft? Did I go too far back? Yeah, you're going a little too far back. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Oh, I know which one it is. It's the, what is it? Is it 70? It's an early 70s draft. It's Pistol Pete and 
there's a bunch of guys in that class. Was it, if I could just remember the first overall pick, that would help me out, but I don't remember who it was that year. I mean, 70 is Lanier, 71 is Carr. I don't remember who was leading the pack. I think 71 is my guess. No, I'm going to give it to you. It's 70. Okay. All right. And even more impressive, you named the number one pick, too, Lanier, and then Carr was in 71. Uh, how many of the Hall of Famers can you name, Carson? I want to see. Oh, man. So, Lanier is a Hall of Famer, right? Because he's an eight-time All-Star. He's got a pretty solid resume. Pistol Pete is in that class. And now, who else is... I know there's a bunch of guys. I want to say, like... No, I want to say Lou Hudson, but that's just because he played with Pete. I don't think he was in that class. Um, Man, I'm really struggling to think. I know that it was just a loaded group. How many were there? Seven total. I, I was going to say seven. Why am I not remembering who the rest of them? Because here's the thing about this class. They have a bunch of Hall of Famers, but they don't have like that one all-time great guy. You know, there's just a bunch of guys who... Is, is Lenny Wilkins in this class? It's a good guess. I'm going I'm to run it down for you. We've got Tiny Nate Archibald. Yeah, no, actually, that wasn't a good guess. Lenny Wilkins played way before that. Bad guess. Dave Cowens, Dan Issel, uh, Lanier and Maravich, as you said, and then Calvin Murphy and Charlie Scott. Yeah. See, that's exactly what I'm saying. Those are guys who were only Hall of Famers because they played in the 70s, which is the worst decade of basketball that we've had. <laughs> I would not have gotten that if we hadn't done that top 10 draft classes episode way back where I just remembered like that 70 class had a bunch of good guys, not really any great guys. So you baited me with a couple of the better ones. 2003 will potentially end up there, although actually, no, it won't because they'll probably only have four Hall of Famers, but just a bunch of all-stars from that class. Okay, great question, Logan. We're going to go with a franchise all-time leader one here. Who is the Rams' all-time rushing leader? All right, this is a tricky one. I feel like you want me to say Eric Dickerson or Marshall Falk, so I'm not. I'm going to say Steven Jackson. You have read me like a book. My only hope, because Steven Jackson's a pretty memorable guy, my only hope was that I could at least make it so you didn't get it on the first try, and I flopped. In fact, this one is not even close. It's Jackson with 10,138 yards, played nine seasons for the Rams, Eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. Dickerson is at 7,245, basically 3,000 yards less. Falk is at 6,959. You knocked that one out of the park. Yeah, and with both of those guys moving on to the Colts, too, it's kind of easier to center in. And just being alive during that time, dude, Steven Jackson was the entire offense for the Rams for, like, six seasons. And I don't think he was ever particularly efficient. He was averaging, like, four yards a carry and just having the ball given to him 280 times a year. Yeah, I don't know who the coach was. Jeff Fisher's, I'm going to guess it was Jeff Fisher at some point, and his offense, or Spagnuolo, just just give it to Steven and get out the way. I like that, though. A little bit of trickery. All right, can you name the top five scoring trios in single-season history? And I'm going to spoil it a little bit. It's top five, but there's only three answers because they're repeating players from multiple seasons. So that is total points per game in a single year by three players? It is a beautiful question. And I believe number one on the list is KD, Steph, and Clay. They're not number one. They are third and fourth, uh, KD, Steph, and Clay in 2019 and 2017. Okay. So, other all-time great duos. Of course, you have to look back to the 
all-time leading scoring backcourt of all time until I think that was broken this season. But Gail Goodrich and Jerry West, and they also had Wilt, of course, who was still averaging like 19 a game. So I would put them in around probably 74 combined points a game. That's a lot. We can also look to either of the big three years because year one, D. Wade's averaging 25 and a half a game still. Is Bosch? No, they're probably ending up around 71, 72. I'm going to go with the West Goodrich Wilt trio. And so I wanted to clarify with this answer, it is three-point era and above. So while oh, those guys okay. would be, yeah, just to make it a little more easier, and your James, Bosch, and Wade, they are ninth uh, in the three-point era with 70.9. Impressive that you could almost get it down to the number. Whoa. All right. Well, that feels pretty good. Okay. So then I have to think the other LeBron big three, of course, where you have Kyrie putting up 25 plus a game. You have LeBron putting up 25 plus a game, but Kevin Love only down around 18 probably. So I'm not going to go with them. I'm thinking about the run TMC days with Hardaway, Richmond, and Mullen. Those dudes were putting up buckets. I know Mullen would be around 25 a game at his peak. Richmond put up bigger numbers in Sacramento, but still big numbers in Golden State. I'm going to put some money lightly down on Run TMC. They're number five, the 1991 Warriors, Mullen, Richmond, and Hardaway, 72.5. So now you've got three, four, and five. You've got the number two spots. It's the same trio in back-to-back seasons. All right. So... This one I want to get on the first try. Let's think about the best big threes of all time. We have, of course... Now, watch this be like Michael Adams, Orlando Woolridge, and some other guy (laughs) from the 91 Nuggets. Did you just make that face at me? Am I right? Is that it? (laughs) You're you're getting pretty warm. Oh, my God. Because I was going to say you could look worthy, Kareem, Magic, and they would be in that conversation. You could look... Bird, Parrish, McHale probably wouldn't be there, but they would be close enough. You could look Celtics big three, but this is making me think that it's some group of guys on a bad team. Oh, I also thought that maybe you could argue the Nash, Stoudemire, Marion, Suns, but Nash wasn't scoring enough. So I'm thinking, is it literally an early 90s Nuggets team or something like that? Or is it just that it's a bad team that played fast or something like that? It's not a... I don't want to give away too much here. It's a, it's not early '90s, but you're you're really close. Okay, so that makes me think I gotta throw. Maybe it's Alex English, Dan Issel, and somebody else from an earlier Denver team. That's gonna be my guess, but I want to see if I can think of who the third guy would be. Fat Lever. Who's the third guy? Kiki Vandeweghe. Oh, of course, of course, of course, of course. That was. Really bad that I didn't get that. Kiki Vandeweghe averaged like 29 a game a couple seasons. The dude was a bucket. Number one, the 83 nugget. It just blew me away that they could beat out Durant, Curry, Thompson. 76.7 in 83, 75.6 in 84. And it's not like these teams were good. I mean, they went to the, they made the playoffs in 83. They made the playoffs in 84 as well with a 38 and 44 record. Um, Regardless, these guys got buckets. Yeah, they really did. It's such a funny little era of basketball were all those guys and last one I want to run out the top five just because it astounded me the reason I asked this question was because this season Carson the leading scoring trio in the NBA was James Harden Russell Westbrook and Daniel House wow 
So I mentioned the Goodrich West Chamberlain or the Goodrich West backcourt that had that record for a long time. Harden and Westbrook broke it with obviously not even a full season this year because we have one guy averaging 34.3, another guy averaging 27.2. That's pretty ridiculous. Great question. That one was a lot of fun. Okay. Logan, only three teams in history have lost in the Super Bowl one year, then won it the very next season. Who are they? Uh, can you say how many teams again? Three. Okay, I'm going to go a 70s Cowboys team that lost to the Steelers and then won the next season. A 70s Cowboys team is correct. It wasn't that they lost to the Steelers. They lost to the Colts in 1970 and then won the next season. I'm trying to think if there's any modern t- Ravens, Giants, Bucks, Raiders, Pats, Rams. The Rams won and then lost. Oh, um, the Patriots from, uh, they lost to the Eagles and then beat the Falcons. They lost the Eagles and then beat the Rams. They had beat the Falcons the year before the Eagles. So they won, lost one, but that is correct. One to go. Man, the Pats just went, the Pats just went Super Bowls. I just lose track sometimes. (laughs) It's understandable. I don't think it's in the nineties because the Bills for four straight Sorry to bring this up. You guys never won one, and the Cowboys yeah, well, win some. I don't for. Think they ever. So I'm just trying to, dude. That they're the landmark of the '90s. They're the first team you think about. I think they're the team you think of when you think of '90s football. You know how hard it is for me to look through Super Bowl history and Pro Football Reference, just trying to find a question for my buddy Logan, and I just see Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills under Super Bowl loser. I don't love it. I'll be honest. I'm sorry for for bringing up these tough times for you again. Oh, no, that's damn. I was going to say Colts from Super Bowl 3, but they won Super Bowl 5. Oh, is it the the Chiefs? Super Bowl, uh, they lost to the Packers and they came back and won Super Bowl 3. No, the Chiefs, I believe, had two years. They had one year between their loss and their victory. Okay, well, I'll throw the Colts. It's not the Colts, is it? Nope. Same thing. Man. All right, I'm going to throw one more out there. Um, first one that comes to my mind, then if I don't get it, I'll throw in the towel. Um, when did the Colts did the Colts lose? The Colts lost. They beat the Bears. Had Peyton been to a Super Bowl before that? No, I don't think it's the Colts. And it's a good question. I don't know. Who is it? The answer is the Miami Dolphins, who lost to the Cowboys team that you got first in 1971 and then beat what I will refer to as the Washington football team in 1972. I didn't want to say who the Cowboys beat because I thought that would get you going because obviously the Dolphins won in 72 and 73. But you had a little interesting changing of the guard there where the Cowboys worked their way up, they win it. Then the Dolphins worked their way up through the Cowboys and they win it back to back. Man, dude, I skipped right over the Dolphins. I went straight to Dan Marino when they lost the Super Bowl and didn't even think about him again. Great question, though. Um... Carson, we just talked about the highest single-season scoring trios of the three-point era. Who's the highest single-season scoring duo of the three-point era? Okay. I love these questions. So, three-point era, because you could literally go back to a Wilt team in the 1960s, and Wilt and Hal Greer would have to be number one all-time because Wilt's averaging 40-plus and 50, obviously, one year. Okay. So, let's think. I honestly am tempted to say 
Harden and Westbrook from this year because they're at 61 and a half points per game, but you got to think back to the best individual scoring season. So you have Jordan at 37.2. Obviously, no one else is going to get that to 61. You have uh, Kobe at 35.4. No one else is going to get that to 61. Like, when has there ever been a duo where two guys essentially averaged 30? I think I'm going to go Harden Westbrook. Yeah, you're exactly right, and uh, it blew me away because I thought initially, right off the bat, you'd go with Shaq and Kobe, who were 2-3. and three. Um, 2003, they put up 57.5. 2001, they put up 57.2, but yeah, outside of them, it isn't even close to this year's Rockets. It's incredible, and what a strange... People are going to look back at James Harden's stats, and their jaws are just going to drop, and they're not going to believe this guy was real and that he wasn't the best player in the NBA because... His numbers are really going to be all-time historic, and they won't even realize that Russell Westbrook sucked, which is going to be terrible. (laughs) Okay, Logan, this is a really hard one. I will not lie about that. It might be one of the hardest questions I've ever asked, but it was such an interesting answer that I wanted to ask it. Who has the most all-purpose yards in a single season? So that is not yards from scrimmage. That includes kick and punt returns. Corderell Patterson. Not, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is it Matthew Slater? No. Devin Hester. Oh, all-purpose, man. I'm just throwing out return men here. Yeah, so what you have to think about is who was a quality player and also a returner? Is it Antonio Brown? Not Antonio Brown. Good guess, though. Uh, Brian Westbrook. Nope. Hmm. Who was that other? There was that other Eagles return guy. um, Desmond Howard? No. Oh, I'm spacing on his name. Okay, it's not that other Eagles um, all-purpose guy, right? Uh, It's not an Eagles running back, correct? Well, I don't believe it's the one who you're thinking of. Did do you mean it's another equals running back? Um, no comment. Oh my god, okay. We're making progress. Yeah, that was an inadvertent I didn't know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you handcuffed me. Is it is it Wendell Smallwood? <laughs> it's actually Boston Scott. From from this year? Yeah, he's a yeah. beast. He's done it in in eight games. Okay. Um, oh, I've seen him so many times, and I can't remember his name. <laughs> I don't think Leon Washington played for the Eagles, although he'd be a decent answer. Man, what's his name? Carson hit me with it. I'm going to be mad. I think you're thinking of someone else, because you're going to know this name. It's Darren Sproles, who you guessed earlier for the most rushing yards after 30 in 2011. He had 603 yards rushing, 710 receiving, 294 on punt returns, 1,089 on kick returns for an all-time record, 2,696. In a very close second place, Derek Mason. Michael Lewis is third in 2002. Incredibly, all but 215 of his yards came returning. So he led the league in both punt and kick return yards, which is pretty incredible. Then you have Lionel James in 85 and Fast Freddie Jackson, Buffalo Bill in 2009. 
So it's a relatively obscure list, but I thought maybe if you could dig deep in the recesses of your mind, just because Sproles was always so useful as a receiving back, also a great returner. But as I said, it was one of the hardest questions I think that I've ever asked. I burn up my Darren Sproles answer at the start of the <laughs> at the start of the episode. I know. <laughs> I thought about saying you already guessed his name, but maybe that would have been a giveaway. Maybe it wouldn't have been. I don't know. I like that though. That's a. Uh, I love obscure questions on trivia time, and uh, I've got one for you, Carson, because the answers to these uh, blew me away. We're sticking with the scoring duos. Who are the highest single season scoring duos for the Washington Wizards and the Memphis Grizzlies? Oh, what an awesome question! Okay. So these two respective franchises, storied histories, lined with championships and Hall of Fame players, psych. <laughs> okay. So if we're talking about the Wizards, well, there's a couple options. We could go the Arenas Jameson route. We could honor history a little bit more and say maybe Bobby Dandridge and Elvin Hayes. But realistically, I think it's probably Arenas and Jameson because Gilbert's averaging 29. Jameson's probably around 25. Yep, 2006, Arenas and Jameson, 49.8 point, uh, points per game. Uh, the Grizzlies are a little more uh, interesting. Okay, this is going to be a fun one. So, I know all of America wants me to say, guess Big Country Reeves. I'm not going to do it. Although, <laughs> Sharif Abdul-Rahim <laughs> might work his way into this list because I think it's possible, but it's not going to be my first guess. Maybe it will be, actually. But I have to think, you would think, based on this era, my first guess would be Gasol and Conley, out of respect for what they've done. But my memory's too good for that. I know that it's probably going to be either Rudy Gay or Zach Randolph leading the pack because Rudy Gay, as a peak scorer, was dropping more buckets than any of those guys. And my guess is going to be that duo. Man, I hate you, Carson. <laughs> you couldn't even you couldn't even give me a Sharif Abdurrahim and in the big country that would have been a decent guess they put up 38 points per game but 2010 Rudy Gay and Zach Randolph put up 40.4 points per game that was my exact line of thinking oh he's going to go with a former Cal Bear Abdurrahim he's going to go Conley and Gasol damn I just Rudy Gay was a bucket man he really was and Zebo was as consistent of an 18 and 10 guy as there was in the league for a while great question I'm loving these ones today. These are some of my favorite questions you've asked, partly because I'm getting most of them right, but, you know, outside of that as well. Okay, Logan, here's a little bit of a random one. Who is the only kicker in NFL history to have made multiple 60-plus yard field goals? Jake Elliott. No, good guess. That dude has a leg, but it's not Jake Elliott. Uh, Greg Zerline. Boom! Second guess. That is impressive, Logan. I thought... You might just not guess this one. It is Zerline. And what's crazy is his two 60-yard field goals came in pretty bad seasons. In the first one, he was 23 of 31 on the year, only 74% field goals made. And in the other one, he was 20 of 30, which is obviously 67%. Not good at all for a modern NFL kicker. But Greg the Leg, is that what tipped you off, the nickname? A little bit, but I also just remember... Yeah, well, Greg's, he's just had a longer of, he can kick farther than anybody else, so I figured he'd be a decent guess, and I just remember him kicking some long ones. I was going to guess Sebastian Janikowski, just because, dude, I think the Raiders trotted him out for like a 73-yarder during a game or something. That dude has, I think Janikowski still has the biggest leg I've ever seen. You know what's so crazy when I was looking up this list? 
There was a Saints kicker in 1970, I can't remember his name, who made a 63-yarder. And he's got half a foot. What? Really? Yeah. They kicked him out of the league. They said he had like a protective cover over his foot because he didn't have the other half of it. And they literally said, this guy's too OP. We can't allow him to kick with his boot. So they kicked him out the league. Wow. Tidbits from Logan Camden. That's good stuff, man. Uh, there's a uh, there's an SB Nation video on YouTube. You should check it out. It's a solid watch. No, I won't. I just got all I need from you, but thank you. Carson, I'm going to stick with the obscure questions here, and we're going to go to scoring lineups. So it's not the greatest scoring lineup of all time. I want you to name the top, uh, the starting five for the top scoring lineup in 07, the Minnesota Timberwolves. How many can you name? Wow. Oh, this team just sucked. So obviously, Kevin Garnett is still there, riding the ship, bringing them hope. But outside of that, I mean... Is Wally Zerbiak here? Zerbiak is not here. Um, I No, he wasn't even on this team. So when Zerbiak's not there, the pickings get slim because I think of the 4 team where you have Sprewell and Cassell and Zerbiak, and okay, that's a decent team. But by 7 yuck. Obviously, they were gearing up to get love in 8 and to just go into a full-on tank and pick up the honorable Johnny Flynn in 9 but... In 07, I don't think any of the guys who I named were still on this team, right? Cassell had gone to the Celtics by then. Sprewell was probably retired. So, who even was decent for the Timberwolves at this time? Like, I'm trying to think, who was their center? Who was their point guard? Yeah, dude, their their center is their center spot might be one of the worst I've ever seen. This guy put up... Uh, he put up 12 and 6, but I had never heard of him before I asked this question. Like, I'm thinking of early 2010s Timberwolves, even though they sucked then, like Corey Brewer and Nikola Pekovic. 07, I just wasn't obviously as attentive yet. So, and it's not like I'm going to see any of these guys when I go back for a score. But how were they leading the league in scoring? So there's got to be some... Well, no, they had the... They had the best, like, five. So... This team wasn't number one in scoring, but this starting five was the best. Oh, okay. Okay. Dude, I think I might not be able to get anyone besides KG. I mean, there's definitely going to be one or two that hurt me when you say them, but right now my mind is just coming up absolutely blank. Like, I'm trying to think, had they had any huge draft picks in the years right before this? Here, I'm going to call a, you know what? I'm going to call the first ever audible in trivia time history. I'm, I'm going to nix the 07. We'll, 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 we will go back to the Hornets. We'll go 08. Okay. Can you name the 08 uh, Hornets lineup then? Because, dude, I'm looking at this. Here, I'll run down the five for you on the Timberwolves. Mark Blunt at center, Ricky Davis at the three, Trenton Hassel at the two, and Mike James at the one. I feel the team led by Chris Paul, you might be able to get a few more. I want to see you do it. Who's the five for the top scoring lineup of 08, the Hornets then? Trenton Hassel is the only name who popped into my head and I just couldn't remember his actual name Mike James put up some decent numbers but he sucked that is an unbelievable lineup to be the top five okay 08 Hornets I should be able to get most of so obviously Chris Paul leading the way obviously David West I believe Pejo was starting for this team is that correct yep you were uh you're three for three center I think Tyson Chandler was here in this year okay oh and then oh what's his face Mo? What was that guy's name? 
What's his last name, though? Mo Pete. Oh, of course, Mo Peterson. All right. I like that audible. Yeah, dude, I'm... <laughs> I thought it was a good question when I was writing it down, but for <laughs> to name uh, the starting five for a twenty, uh, you know, a thirty-win team in two thousand and seven, I can see how that'd be a little tougher. At least this team made the playoffs and sustained their success a little longer. I should have gotten Trenton Hassel, but that is just—I <laughs> mean, I like the Timberwolves question because it's hard, but I will enjoy walking out of there with a the correct answer instead. Okay, Logan. Who is the only quarterback in NFL history to lead multiple fourth quarter comebacks in two different postseasons? That's just impressive in the in the fact that you could do that in the postseason. All right, um, you said two separate ones, correct? Yes. <laughs> I feel like it, it, there's got to be a little bit of trickery, so I'm gonna throw out a stupid answer to start off. Is it Joe Flacco? It is not Joe Flacco. All right, well, I'm going to knock out the, the no-brainers then now. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Nope. Okay, expected. How recent are we talking? Can, is it um, uh, post-2000? Yes. Wow, I need to get this then. Matt Hasselbeck. Nope. Nick Foles? Nope. All right, I'll throw out another dumb, dumb one. Mark Sanchez. Nope. You're going <laughs> too dumb, I think. Oh, okay, okay, I'm going too... Okay, I was going to guess David Garrard next, so I was getting way yeah. out. Yeah, <laughs> okay, you're getting out of control. <laughs> okay, just to, just to get my last dumb one off. It's not Blake Bortles, right? Good God, no. Okay, cool. All right, I'm just... Uh, let me get the bums out the way. We'll, <laughs> we'll go back up. Um... Okay, let me throw out Jake the Snake then. Did Jake Plummer do it? No. All right, I'm going to go more recent. Um, Kurt Warner. Nope. All right, I'm going to go one more guess because... <sighs> Andrew Luck. Nope. I give up. I don't think you want to throw in the towel. I think it's a more obvious one than you're thinking of. Drew Brees. No. <sighs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of distinct comebacks... It's not Case Keenum, is it? No. Okay. Yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm throw it in. I'm just I'm just naming quarterbacks at this point. This one's gonna hurt. The answer is Eli Manning. He did it in both 2007 and 2011. It has only been done in one postseason six times, as far as multiple fourth quarter comebacks. He's done it in obviously two postseasons, and he's the only quarterback to lead three game-winning drives in the same postseason, which he did in the first Super Bowl run. I think I would have guessed that. I thought that it was consecutive postseasons. Oh, gotcha. Well. Gotcha. But either either way, I Eli should have been one of my guesses at some point. Yeah. Uh, we're going to stick with New York, though, Carson. I want you to tell me who the rookie point-per-game leader is in the history of the New York Knicks. I love this. We are just sticking with the bucket getters here. It's all about getting buckets today on Trivia Time. All right. Well, let's just think about the best scorers in Knicks history. We have, obviously, Bernard King. We have, well, Patrick Ewing makes an interesting case because he was a great player right off the bat. Do we have anyone since then? Any recent bums? Anyone better than R.J. Barrett to speak of in the 2000s? Nope. 
Not that I can think of at the very least. In the 90s, no, not any rookies. So I'm kind of thinking Ewing. You can go back to the golden days and yeah, Frazier and Reed. I don't think either of them were putting up monster scoring numbers as a rookie. So my first guess is going to be Patrick Ewing. Ewing in 86 is second with 20 points per game. And uh, I'll give you a little bit of a hint here. So not any of the typical like Knicks dominant bucket getters that you would think of. And this guy in his rookie year when he uh, you know holds a record for the Knicks, only all-star season of his career. Fascinating. So that means it's not anyone who I've named yet. I don't want to ask for an era because I think that'll make it too easy. So I'm just trying to think, when have the Knicks been not very good? So there's a guy to put up numbers like this. Not in the early 70s, not through the late 80s and the 90s, but after that, it's kind of fair game. So maybe I do need to think about the 2000s. But you're shaking your head no, so I shouldn't think about the 2000s. Logan's always giving me hints. I don't give you any clues. I just mean mug it the whole time. And you'll like smile or nod. Oh. You can guess R.J. Barrett if you want, Carson. I'm not going to guess R.J. Barrett. Man, I don't know. I'm thinking. For a second, I thought Earl the Pearl Monroe, but he started in Washington. But man, was he a bucket. He was putting up 25 a game earlier in his career. So... It's got to be like a 70s Nick, I think. But who might that be? Got to be like a late 70s Nick, I should say, because obviously it's not in their heyday. One all-star season. <gasps> is it Michael Ray Richardson? Oh, I thought you were going to hit it. Um, It is not Michael Ray Richardson. Mm. You thought I was going to hit it, which means maybe it starts with an M. Let me see. Michael Ray Richardson, his rookie year, uh, put up six and a half points per game and then went up to about 17 and 16 in his next career. Uh, this guy played alongside Michael Ray Richardson. All right. So he was probably, frankly, addicted to cocaine. Um, <laughs> let's think. Oh, is it Spencer Haywood? It is not Spencer Haywood. Did Spencer Haywood even play for the Knicks? Am I just tripping on that one? Haywood played for the Knicks in the mid-70s. He put up 20 points per game for them uh, twice, but um, he started his career in uh, the ABA, and then he played in Seattle. Right. Right. I mean, he was an ABA god. I just didn't know if that would count because it would be his NBA rookie season. I didn't know if that was with the Knicks. But all right. I don't want to give myself too much more time here, but someone who played with Michael Ray Richardson in the pre-Bernard King era putting up nice big numbers for one year. What did he average? Did you say like 23 a game? He averaged 21.7 per game. Probably a big man thinking about the era. But out of respect for time, I'm going to concede, but I don't think I'm going to feel great about it. It is Bill Cartwright. Oh my God. I totally... Should have gotten that. I was just thinking a little too early. But, man, that's a great question because he was a bucket with the Knicks. He was putting up at least like 18-plus for a few years. 
Yeah, his first five seasons, he didn't dip below 14, and then after the foot injury, obviously, he moves on from New York, goes to Chicago. Uh, I thought you were going to get that after the Michael Ray Richardson one. I was hoping you were right in the right era. That was a great question. That is awesome that he has that record. I should have gotten that. Okay, Logan, who is the all-time leader in sacks taken? Got to be Brett Favre, right? Uh, it is Brett Favre. He holds every negative quarterback stat. If it's fumbles, <laughs> if it's picks, if it's sacks taken, it's him with 525. The real reason I wanted to ask this question, the rest of the top five is most of the guys you would think, Elway 516, Ben 511, Brady 508, Dave Krieg gets in there at 494, so shout out him. Where do you think Peyton Manning falls on this list? Man, I mean, Peyton had really good protection in Denver and in Indy, but I, I'd assume he has to be top 10, right? 50th. What? No way. Tied with Cam Newton with 303 career sack, sacks taken. It's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. I don't get how you play that long in... That's an, I don't know if that's footwork, if that's top-tier O-lineman every year. That's nuts. Think about that. That means he's taking, like, a sack a game for his career, basically. I want to see what his career high in sacks taken was. He never led the league in it. His most he took was 29. Wow. That's an awesome fact. 29. Think about that. Poor rookie David Carr takes 72. Joe Burrow <laughs> took 28 in his first six career games or seven career games. And we've got Peyton just sitting pretty back there for 20 years. That's an awesome question. All right. Um, Carson, you talked about Bernard King uh, last question. He is second in points per game scored and still having your team miss the playoffs. In the three-point era, who is number one? Okay, well, this reminds me of the question that you asked recently. This is just points per game while missing the playoffs, right? Yep. So... I think it's Kobe. It is not Kobe. It's not Kobe in... Was that... It was 07 that they... Oh, no. Was it 05 that they missed or 07 that they missed? Okay, but it's not Kobe. Interesting. Well, I remember that you asked me who are the four guys to ever lead the league in scoring and miss the playoffs. So I should be able to dig back to that list in my mind. But Pete Maravich was one of the answers. He obviously is pre three-point era. Russell Westbrook was one of the answers. I don't think it's going to be him because this wasn't the year Bernard King averaged like 32 and a half, right? Was this the year he averaged 28.4 or whatever with the bullets? He averaged 32.9 and 85. And it was, and they did miss the playoffs that year? Yeah. Okay, so this should be relatively easy. I should just be able to think who's averaged more points per game than that ever. I think AI has a 33.1 season. T-Mac is not above that. I'm going to go Allen Iverson. That's correct. 2006, 33 points per game. Um, up there also Adrian Dantley in 81 and 82, putting up 30 points per game. And in fifth, Kobe is not on this list. Uh, the year you were talking about, 05, he was 27.6 points per game. Number five is Jerry Stackhouse in 2001, putting up 29.8 per game. I love that Jerry Stackhouse season because it's so disgustingly inefficient, too. He's shooting like 41% from the field, like 28% from three. Yeah, I don't know why I got my Kobe seasons mixed up there for a second. That was stupid. I know that it was 05 that they missed it because 07, he averaged 31.4, was it? I, didn't, I don't need to throw out the decimals for every single one of these guys. 
because sometimes I get the decimal wrong. Okay, Logan, asked a similar question to this earlier, but we're going different franchise. Who is the Bucks' all-time rushing leader? Man, there's not a lot of studs in that backfield. Uh, just go by air. It, it, I'm, my first guess is going to be Mike Allstott. Mike Allstott is second with 5,088 yards. All right. Um, Bo Jackson never played for the Bucks. Who? Man, all I can think about is Cadillac Williams right now and Lagarde Blunt. It's not a great list. I will tell you that. Oh, is it Michael Turner? It is not Michael Turner. Michael didn't spend enough time in Tampa. I don't even know if he spent any time in Tampa Bay because he was, eh, whatever, it's not Michael Turner. Um, I'll throw it out there. Cadillac Williams. Cadillac Williams is fifth. Hmm. Man, I hope it's not one of them creamsicle uh, running backs. Is it? Is it that old? It's sort of creamsicle era. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not getting this. The answer is James Wilder. With 5,957 yards, 37 touchdowns, Allstott was second. Work done third, Doug Martin fourth, and as you mentioned, Cadillac Williams fifth. I just wanted to ask this question because it's such a bad list, and I wanted to see if you could maybe pull it out of your nether regions. <laughs> just like last episode. Um I'm not really. I'm. I'm more disappointed in myself for guessing Michael Turner when I clearly, in my brain, knew I meant Warwick Dunn. That was stupid. Yeah, because I don't think Michael Turner ever played for the Bucks. No, he, he did. did put up massive numbers with the Falcons. Yeah, he went Chargers Falcons. I was thinking Warwick Dunn, who went Bucks Falcons. But I like that question. Um, Carson, can you name the two Rockets players who have led their squads in points, rebounds, and assists in a single season? Awesome question. What an awesome question. So, the first guy I think about is potentially Akeem Olajuwon. And here's why. Never had a dominant facilitating point guard, but Clyde is obviously going to get at least, you know, around five a game. Cassell's probably going to get around five a game, so I don't think it's Akeem. Harden, in 2016-17, must have done it. Averaged 7.8 boards and 11.2 assists and 29 points, so I'm going to go James Harden. 2017, James Harden did it. And now, we go to the great all-around Rockets. So, we could think about maybe T-Mac. Because he only had a couple shots at it, but it's not like Yao was putting up insane numbers on the glass. But I'm not going to bet on T-Mac. I want to at least give myself a little more time to think of anyone else. Then again, I'm not sure who it would be. I mean, unless we're going way back to the inception of the Rockets, kind of. They've only really had a few great players. But I don't think it's going to be T-Mac. I'm going to guess him, though. It is not T-Mac. Yeah. So, 80s. Early 80s. I don't think it's Moses Malone, is it? That's a good guess, but it's not Moses either. Yeah. God, his teams were just so bad. That's the only reason I considered. Like, it would be pretty tough for him to lead a team in assists, but when you got Robert Reed and Calvin Murphy as your second and third best guys. Shout out Calvin Murphy, but old Calvin Murphy. Okay. As I look further back, Rudy Tomjanovich? Is Rudy T one of the answers? No, but he may have coached one of the Rocket squads that has this player on there. Okay, 
So then, wait, mm, it's not like old Charles Barkley, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I didn't know because Chuck was a heck of a passer. Like, I'm trying to think, Drexler, a great all-around player, but wasn't going to obviously out-rebound Akeem or in the later years, Chuck. Is it Steve Francis in the early 2000s? It is Steve Francis. Wow. Good for him. 19 points per game, uh, six and a half assists, 6.9 rebounds. Uh, yeah, Stevie Franchise out of all people. A How tall is he? A, He's not that tall. A 6'3 yeah. guard. I, that's, that's insane. He never did it again, but I just thought, what a list. You've got a guy like James Harden, 6'5", is a pretty great rebounder. Stevie Franchise, I believe it was 0-2. Yeah, seven boards, six and a half assists, 21 points a night. Absolutely insane. Good for him. Okay. Logan, only a couple questions left here. Who was the youngest player ever inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame? Gale Sayers. Right off the bat, 34-year-old Gale Sayers. Next youngest is a more interesting answer, I think. Jim Brown at 35. We forget how brief his career was. He only played nine seasons, I think. Then at 36, you have some other real all-timers, Dick Buckus, Earl Campbell, and Barry Sanders. But you nailed it. Yeah, I just figured with the injury, he'd probably be one of the first inducted ever, period. And, uh, you know, you just retire young, it'll naturally happen. I like that question. Carson, this is uh, by far my favorite one, uh, and I've saved the best for last year. LeBron James, a former number one overall pick, has played with eight other number one overall picks. Can you name them all? What an awesome question. Okay. This is going to be so much fun. So, obviously, Dwight and Shaq are the first two who I name. I mean, I should be able to get every single one of them because I know every first overall pick. So, Kyrie, obviously. Three down. Okay. So, maybe I should just... Oh, AD, obviously. There's four. Um, let's run back through the rest of the 2000s. Kenyon Martin, he hasn't played with. Kwame Brown, I don't think he's played with. Yao Ming, he hasn't played with. Dwight, he has played with. We already said that. Bogut, Bargnani, no to both of them. Odin, no. Rose, no. Blake, no. John Wall, no. Okay, I'm just going pick by pick. So it's got to be more 90s guys, unless there's someone who I've forgotten. But I'm getting the Logan Campbell. No, there's a there's a few guys that you named that, while brief, they did play with LeBron. Interesting. So I got to dig into the recesses of my mind then and get them right so I'm not just guessing every one. Elton Brand. I'm pretty sure I actually did play for the Cavs as an old man. Is that correct? That is not correct. Yeah, well, that's what we call tricking yourself. <laughs> Kmart was Kmart on those Cavs teams I don't think so I think Kwame must be one of the answers Kwame Brand is not one of the answers so great well I know for a fact that Yao Ming isn't and if Yao Ming is then I'm a fool Bogoy <laughs> did Bogut ever play with LeBron in some sick and twisted way I did he play for the Cavs for like five games? Were they the team that signed him? This one is a little bit of a of a cheat here. He played one game. 
He played one minute. He immediately got injured and was out for the rest of the season. Wow. So what year was that? 2017. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty funny. Okay. Bargnani. Hmm. Who knows where that man went in his later years? Was it in Miami? Was maybe Bargnani on one of those teams? I don't think so, but... Greg Oden. Oh, of course, Greg Oden played for the Heat. So there's one. I don't know. I don't know why I dismissed that one. I knew that, obviously. Um, but as we get into the 2010s, was Anthony Bennett technically on a team with LeBron? He. No? Wow. That's crazy. Drafted in 2013, LeBron comes in 2014, and he never overlaps with Anthony Bennett. What an impressive career for that young man. More recent than that, well, he never played with Wiggins. He never played with Towns. He never played with Simmons. Never played with Fultz, obviously. Never played with Aiden. So that takes all those guys out of the question. So we're going back. We have two to go, right? Yep. There's a guy in the 2000s and a guy in the 90s. How is there still a guy in the 2000s? Who am I just completely spacing on? Because I've named every one of them. And I've guessed basically every one of them. Like, is it Derrick Rose? Yeah, Derrick Rose in 2018. uh, Only played 16 games with them, and then uh, I believe he got moved to Minnesota. But yeah, he did play a few games with LeBron. That's so weird. I only kind of remember that. Like, clearly, I don't remember it at the forefront of my mind, or I would have guessed him earlier. Okay, so we go back to the 90s. Elton Brand, I think I already talked about. Olawa Candy, God, I hope not. Duncan, no. AI, no, I don't think so. But that man was all over the place. Joe Smith, no. Glenn Robinson, no. Chris Webber, let's think Chris Webber did a bit of traveling late in his career. Is it C-Web? Is not C-Web. So it's one of the guys I've already named because it's not Larry Johnson or earlier than that. So it's late 90s. God, I've just, at this point, I want to finish it off, but I've just guessed basically everyone. Okay. (laughs) If I could have gotten this first try, it would have been sick, but that didn't happen. Hey, there's no way it's Olawa Candy. Is it AI? It is not Allen Iverson. Did I already guess Elton Brand? I don't even remember. I did, right? You did guess Elton Brand. Jeez Louise. I know it is not Joe Smith. Is it Joe Smith? (laughs) It's Joe Smith. In 2008, 21 and a half points a night, 8 points a game. He then would get moved to Oklahoma City. And then the next year, he'd go back to Cleveland to play another year with LeBron in 09, where he played 20 minutes a night and put up six points a game. Joe Smith was still in the NBA in 2009? Joe Smith was in the NBA until 2011. He played 11, He played 12 games with the Lakers. You know, I always forget how long his career was because he just was never good. Okay, wow. I wish that I had been more efficient with that answer, but what a fascinating question. Great work there by the research department. Okay, Logan, we've each done our 15 now, but we do have a bonus question for you because that's what we do. It's going to be about a starting quarterback from the year 2005 or later. And this one is a little bit tricky. 
but it still counts because I make the criteria and I decided. Who started the majority of the games for the 2013 Rams? Nick Foles. No. Um, Sam Bradford. So the reason I say it's tricky is because Bradford only played seven. He got hurt, and so he started less than half the games. Okay, um, trivia time, and NerdSesh fans, we're about to go into uh, some Ram obscurity here. I'm just going to start uh, chucking. That's what um, we always do. I'm going to throw though. Case Keenum out there. No. <laughs> Keith Null. No. Mike Kafka. No. 2013 Rams. Uh, can you tell me who the head coach was? I'm pretty sure that this would have been Jeff Fisher, right? I'll check. Yep, this is Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Nice 7-9 Rams team. Oh, of course. 2013. So they they had to win some games with this guy at QB. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he played the majority of the season, so naturally, yeah. Um, Man, this is a tough one. Did they bring back Mark Bulger? Nope. Sean Hill. Nope. Man, I hate missing these. All right, I'm going to throw them out there because I never want to miss them on a, a question like this again. Is it Bruce Gradkowski? No. I'm not getting done with the two for two. 2013, what a bad draft, a bad 7-9 Rams team. Chad Henney. Nope. Dude, I'm slinging that. He didn't even play for the Rams. I'm just throwing guys out here. <laughs> okay, my last request. This is my last request. Can you tell me what round this guy was drafted in? Yes, I can. Give me one moment. He was a second-round pick. <laughs> I don't know. Damn. Second, I was hoping you were going to say seventh and I could go like Ryan Fitzpatrick or. I could lie and tell you he was a seventh round pick if that helps. Yeah, can, can you lie to me? I, I want to guess Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he was a seventh round pick. Okay, cool. It's Fitzy. Um, <laughs> I don't want to throw in the towel. I got, I got to come up with another guy here. Dude, I thought Sean Hill was going to hit that because he played for everybody. I think he played for the Vikings, the Lions. The Rams at a point I thought he was going to hit. You are 10 for 12 in history on these, so there's a lot riding on this. All right, I, I don't want to get too many hints. How old was he when he played this season? He was uh, like 28, I think, late 20s. Man, dude, I, I thought Nick Foles was right too, but I think he played in 2015. 2013 was the year he threw 27 TDs and two picks with the Eagles. I will point out for your Sean Hill guest that he started eight games the year after this. So very close there. Troy Smith. Nope. <laughs> Tarver's Jackson. Correction also, this man was 30 this season. This would mean it would have been around 04 to 06 when he wouldn't have been drafted. If it was... I know these drafts like the back of my hand. How am I... All right, my last guess. And I don't think this is right. It's not J.P. Lossman of all people, is it? No, it's not. Is that officially your last guess? Yeah, who is it? 
The answer is Kellen Clemens. Oh! He started nine games this year. Oh, it hurts. It stings. A four and five record as a starter. An incredible stat line of eight touchdowns to seven interceptions, 59% completion, 1,673 yards. Logan, talk to the people. Tell them what it feels like. Dude, I knew Kellen Clemens was a backup for Mark Sanchez for some years in New York. He was, and he never played because I wanted to see Clemens get his shot. And I can, I can see his old, Kellen Clemens looked like he was 30 by the time he came out of college. I can see his old <laughs> scruffy gray hair. And he wasn't good. He had a noodle arm. He was like six foot flat. Damn, I should have gotten that, man. I That one doesn't hurt nearly as much as the Bruce Gradkowski one, but all of them hurt. Yeah, well, the good news is normally you get them. So we'll recover, we'll get through this, and we'll be back in a month with another lovely edition of Trivia Time, as we always are. Any final remarks or thoughts as we wrap this thing up? Uh, excellent job on the questions once again, Carson. Thank you. You as well. So that will do it for us here today. I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.